It's Wednesday, June 11th. Welcome to Market Forward. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser and Morgan Housel. Good to see you, gents. Hello. Hey, hey. Happy Wednesday. Uh, we are going to talk World Cup, uh, but let's start with Alibaba. I think it is fair to say the most anticipated IPO of 2014. Certainly expected to be the biggest IPO. This is the Chinese e-commerce giant. And they just unveiled their latest venture, which is a consumer online shop here in the U.S. The website, which is in beta, is 11main.com. That's the number 11. So, 11main.com. How do you think Amazon and eBay are feeling about this news? I, I mean, I don't, I don't think they're looking at this as any real major threat at this point. It seems like it's really? a little bit, yeah, really. I mean, it, it seems like it's a bit different uh, customer focus, maybe than what a- Amazon particularly uh, is all about. You know, I mean, Amazon is is focused on really sort of that mass retail market out there and that bigger picture sort of longer term trend of just of just e commerce uh, being in the early innings today. And I think that really Alibaba is is right to want to get in on this market. I mean, it's a tremendous market opportunity. But but in looking at what the the site is doing and looking at what they're actually trying to do, it, it seems like they're being a little bit more selective with the merchants that they're that they're bringing into their uh to their environment there. I mean, they it sounds like they've turned down uh a number of merchants because maybe they don't quite have sort of the the level of merchandise maybe that that uh that 11 Main is is looking to incorporate. Uh, into their site, so it strikes me as something a little bit more like uh, the One King's Lane. You, do you know that site? No. So they, it's 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 kind of like a, I don't want to say a higher uh, higher class kind of retail, but it's just it's it's a bit more unique sort of retail items that you might you're not going to necessarily find just kind of like in a, in a mass market, uh, you know, kind of environment like an Amazon or a Walmart or something. I hear like that. that, but this isn't the three of us getting together and deciding to start our own consumer online shop. This is a business that not only knows how to do this, they've succeeded wildly in doing this. Well, yeah, but I mean, truth be told, I mean, they've succeeded wildly in a completely different country and a completely different culture too, right? So, I mean, they are are faced with this initial hurdle of coming in here and saying, okay, Chris, Jason, Morgan, come shop here instead of going to Amazon or eBay. Because I know you've been shopping at Amazon and eBay for the last 10 years, but but come here because we're going to offer you this. And so they are going to have that hurdle of really trying to figure out how do, how do I get someone to come over you know, to, to 11 Main from, from Amazon, for example, uh, because Amazon's done a really good job over the years of, of really offering uh, their, their customers more bang for their buck. It's not just low prices, but it's the shipping, it's the video, it's the it's the books, it's the Kindles. It's just sort of that overall customer relationship. And so eBay and Amazon, I think, t- together have both done uh, really good jobs over the years of, of really you know nurturing that that type of customer relationship. And it's not to say that that Alibaba and, and Eleven Main can't do that, but I don't I don't think that's something that's just going to happen overnight. But again, I mean, it, it's a huge market opportunity. I'm certain that they have the they have the know-how and the financial resources to succeed, uh, but but this is not a zero-sum game here. I mean, I think they're just trying to get their their piece of the pie, so to speak. If if you pulled the American people and said what is Alibaba or any of its subsidiary companies, I'm willing to bet it'd be five percent of people have heard of it, which is incredible because it's a massive company uh, in in other in in other markets. But like Jason said. They have huge success operating in other countries, but when you come to America, you're effectively operating as a startup, a very deep-pocketed startup. But 
and the pockets are about to get deeper. They're right. looking. They are expected to raise somewhere in the neighborhood of fifteen billion dollars off their IPO. Yeah, and I mean, what'll be interesting to see is as they as they pursue this market. I mean, watching sort of how they establish that relationship with the American consumer will be very interesting because we've seen, you know, from from Jeff Bezos's perspective, uh, it, it seems like he's trying to, to give away everything in order to keep you know customers happy. And, and really, what Bezos's philosophy is that it is all about the customer. Um, I, I have to believe that Jack Ma sort of has that take. As well, I mean, given given the the figures that he's generating with the business in China, um, but again, I mean, it's just like saying when you when you see these American behemoths like Home Depot or something go in uh, to the Asia Pacific markets. I mean, we've seen a lot of these companies go into the Asia Pacific markets and just witness tremendous cultural barriers, and in many cases, they've had to to almost completely withdraw from those markets because they just weren't able to succeed there. I, I think it's fair to say that that same challenge exists for other. Uh, countries or cultures that that come here. Although I would say that that I think coming here is probably a little bit easier because I think it's uh, generally you know a, a freer market and, and consumers are a bit more open minded um, and, and willing to change uh, their behavior. Certainly, that's uh, the internet has, has enabled that as well. So, let's talk World Cup because it starts tomorrow, and certainly there's a lot of excitement in this office. Dave, your friend and colleague, Dave Meyer, our friend and colleague. I can't believe he doesn't have, like, the soccer ball. I, on. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a few. I don't want to say the productivity is going to drop over the next few weeks <laughs> for some of our colleagues, but that's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> um, but let's talk about the business for a second, because when you start looking at some of the numbers that are being thrown around in terms of how many billions of dollars this is going to mean for Brazil's economy, just with people traveling around the country uh, and traveling to the country. Obviously, Nike and Adidas, major players in the athletic apparel space. But now, we were talking about this a little bit this morning, Jason. Twitter? Twitter's really going to benefit? from How is Twitter going to make money off of the World Cup? Uh, well, I think Twitter and Facebook together, I, when, when I look at just the bigger, uh, the bigger picture sort of long-term trend in social media, I think that the World Cup is going to help validate those as, communica- as communication platforms um, on, on a global scale, not just you know a domestic scale. I mean, those really are global stories as, as they favor international markets as well. And, and really, both business models to date are centralized on, on advertising. And, and you know, advertisers go where the eyeballs are. And so when you look at just the, the sheer numbers – uh, they tell the story. I mean, that's where the eyeballs are for events like these. Facebook and Twitter are where people are going. Uh, I, I think that Twitter uh, has has done a wonderful job incorporating uh, the World Cup hashtag into their uh, into their offering. I mean, you, you can you can hit that World Cup hashtag and go there. They have like a whole site devoted to it where you can then follow each country, and, and they have a number of players on all of the teams that are that are really popular on Twitter and, and uh, keep up with their fans that way. And I think Facebook is taking advantage of the same thing there. So I, I think that generally speaking, you, you know, we're going to see something. I think these are the these are the types of events that really validate the long term trend in social media. We've we've seen it progress. And, you know, in 2010, uh, I think the number was there were there were 500 million users on Facebook in in 2010 when the when the last World Cup was hosted in South Africa and, and now that that number is uh, you know well over a billion uh, you see events like the Olympics Super Bowl every year I mean they just they generate more and more 
traffic as time goes on. And so I think that advertisers look at these events and really start licking their chops. I, I think it's a mistake to look at this and say that, wow, Brazil is just going to benefit. Because I think this is the same effect that you see from something like an Olympics. Right. I mean, on paper, it seems neat. But, man, I'm telling you, this is not going to be something that makes, you know, this doesn't take Brazil to the next level. I mean, this, this tournament's going to end, and then Brazil's going to be looking around saying, what the hell do we do with all this stuff, you know? I don't know if you've been to Atlanta, Georgia, but I don't think the 1996 Olympics have really pushed them into the stratosphere. <laughs> no, it didn't. I mean, I moved up here from there, and I can tell you, I mean, the, the only reason why Atlanta didn't really suffer from that was because so much of that infrastructure was already there. They didn't have to invest nearly as much as something like an Athens would for an Olympics or a Brazil uh, would for the World Cup. And yeah, I mean, it's just... There are those pictures of former Olympic venues, what they look like today. Yeah, I saw and that. It's, they're just ruins. Yeah. They're just completely overgrown during, with during the, total ruins. During the winter Olympics. I remember, uh, I think it was going around on Facebook, and it was photos from Lillehammer. Right. Uh, and I think that was tw- 20 years ago? That was 96. No, uh, yeah. Okay. And it was just, it was incredible to see. 94, maybe. 94. Yeah. Um, back to the World Cup for a second. I mean, you talk about the sponsors. The, some of the numbers, I agree with you about Brazil, by the way. I mean, it's not, you know, anyone who's like, oh, I'm going to buy a Brazil ETF because it's going <laughs> to benefit wildly. Yes, there will be money you know there is revenue generated but the fact you know the idea sure. that it will just automatically spill over you know to your point that that is not as highly unlikely to happen but you start looking at some of the numbers and first of all if fifa soccer's governing body were a stock holy cow would they be, be. Uh, ready to to report a, an amazing quarter because you're looking at about four billion in revenue that FIFA is taking in, and half of that is profit. The television rights worldwide, one point seven billion. The sponsorships and the partnerships, where you've got Coca-Cola and you know all, all these different multinationals, McDonald's and others, who are paying individually paying hundreds of millions of dollars for all of that. I mean, it's really incredible to see how FIFA is going to benefit from that. Um, are you, are you a soccer fan, Morgan? No, not really. No, do, but I mean, I'm not a big soccer fan, but I still get caught up in the world. I'll get caught up in it and I'll watch, but I, I'm no Dave Meyer. Who, my my who productivity, hopefully, will <laughs> will stay will stay up over the next two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I you know i I grew up playing soccer for a number of years, and I mean, I, I appreciate it. I mean, I enjoy you know watching, and I, I appreciate what they do. I mean, it, it's it's grueling to run around. Feel like that for ninety plus minutes. Uh, I'm, I'm, my eyeballs are going to be glued to the U.S. Open this week in Pine Earth. So, <laughs> you know, that's really where it begins and ends for me. Uh, just you know, I'm a golf head, so that's that's no secret. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, when you're talking about those big multinationals like Coca-Cola and McDonald's, and people kind of ask how will those companies benefit from this, and it, you know, again, I mean, th- those are no secret, right? I mean, we know they're big multinationals, and that's why they have all of that money to drop in there for those sponsorships and keep that name out there. But that's more or less expected already. It's it's just like any other major event. You expect those names uh, to really be a part of it. It's like the Super Bowl and and, uh, and Hunter Bush and Bev. I mean, you expect those Bud commercials because that's just the norm, and they more or less have to do that to keep it current, to keep it fresh, and to keep people thinking about it. Uh, so I think that you know one th- one thing I'm actually going to be interested to see here, because Brazil is not really known for its communication infrastructure, and I have a feeling that we're going to see 
you know, some disappointed fans and, and, and visitors, uh, you know, who they're, they're not able to really access you know, Twitter or Facebook or, or whatever. I have to imagine streaming, uh, you know, video clips of any of these of these games is going to be really difficult out there. So so maybe sort of in, in under the radar play here would be uh, the realization that, Bra- that Brazil's communication infrastructure really needs uh, to be brought into the 21st century. And maybe that will be. Um, and so then who knows, maybe. Uh, maybe there's 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 a way to look at uh, a Brazilian at telecom, right there. something like that. Who knows? You'll be happy to know too. Goldman Sachs ran some numbers the other day, and they showed that there is no correlation between who might win the World Cup and what the market might do next. In case you were wondering, and I know you were. <laughs> Thank you, Goldman Sachs, <laughs> doing doing angels' work right. as always. Yeah, because we just always really believe what they say, right? You just take that at face. Someone, the, the person who made that report, I bet makes a million dollars a year too. Uh, well, when Jason was talking, I was thinking: imagine what it would be like to be a marketing executive at a Coca-Cola or a McDonald's or you know any one of these uh, large multinationals. And that's your biggest. Cho- I'm not saying it's a cushy job. I'm saying if that's your job, then your decision is: Hmm, what do I do with this massive <laughs> pile of money? Where do I spend? I have a massive, massive pile of money. I have to spend it. Should I spend it over here? Oh, yeah. You know, we'll put a we'll put 150 million towards partnering with FIFA on the World Cup. That gets us the all access pass. That gets us everything. But what do I do with the rest of this big pile of money? The, the price of nice. Uh, golf course meetings and steak dinners where that is all hashed out in private jet rides. By the way, uh, one other uh, company we've talked about recently, uh, and that's Beats, uh, just oh, got acquired by Apple. I don't know if you've seen the uh, the Beats video. They did a five-minute video prepping for the World Cup because I think Beats is, has just rolled out a new product, new like $200 um, headphones. Um, I will I will tweet out the video because I will say this. As someone who is not a huge soccer fan, after watching this video, I was really pumped to watch the World Cup. It's an incredible company in the sense that, from what I've heard, I've actually never used a pair of Beats headphones, but I've heard they are shockingly mediocre. But the company has done an incredible, staggering job of marketing itself and its brand. Well, yeah, and and I'll send you guys the video and I'll tweet it out on the Market Foolery uh, Twitter feed, but because you'll see, it is it is that level of commercial. Like you see with Nike or you know that sort of thing. I mean, again, it just watch it and tell me if you're not just a little bit more psyched to watch the World Cup than you were before you started watching it. All right, Morgan Housel, Jason Moser, guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interests in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Heather Horton. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.